A big thank you to everyone tuning in and a warm welcome to the podcast on starting and scaling AI ventures where I would host AI leaders from across the globe in an attempt to bridge the large gap of what it means to be AI powered and how you can help your organization get there. The third edition of this podcast features Swapan Rajdev, the co-founder and CTO of Haptic, one of the largest conversational AI platforms in the world. which was acquired by Reliance Jio early last year for 100 million dollars a graduate of the University of Illinois Swapan has been a two-time entrepreneur and worked across engineering and consulting roles in the SF Bay area before founding Haptic in 2013 he's one of the country's leading figures in conversational AI and has been awarded MIT's coveted 35 under 35 innovator award Thanks a lot Swapan for taking out time for the podcast. Hey Shantanu, thanks thanks for having me. It's a it's a pleasure to be here and uh excited to chat with you today. Awesome. Uh for starters, could you tell us a little bit about how Haptic came about and some interesting areas of work that you're undertaking as the CTO of Haptic and what uh, a typical work day across the board for you looks like? Yeah, um absolutely, you know, I'll I'll try to cover the journey of haptic um, in 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 a few minutes i think you know there's it's an exciting story with with a bunch of ups and downs so um you know we basically started back in 2013 so you know akrit uh, my co-founder and i you know um we we all we both had kind of full time jobs with silicon valley based startups we actually quit that to start haptic back in 2013 with the premise you know and i think this was an idea we've been thinking about for a little while before that where we obviously started seeing um you know chat becoming a very you know a common form of communication that all of us are getting used to right and i think this data came because of you know obviously the uptake of whatsapp just before that there was actually blackberry messenger which was really big so we started seeing that a lot of people are okay kind of chatting and communicating using their phones and especially typing at that point um and you know we knew that everyone's obviously talking to their peers to peers but we were like can we build something more on top of this right can we bring utility on top of this rather than just peer to peer communication right um at that point you know obviously ai ml did exist right so we were like hey you know there's there is chance of doing a lot of this automation but obviously the word chatbot and ivas or intelligent virtual assistants all of these things didn't exist right so we were purely thinking how can we bring utility over chat as a communication medium um you know when we started off i think you know there was uh, uh, you know the problem that we are solving today i think was the same at that point right which is we always realized you know a natural use case of communication where which is not a solved problem even then and even now seems to be a little problematic is customer support right which is how do you you know interact with a business and try to get help on their front without going through a very bad experience of let's say calling waiting on hold and this and that so that's where we started off right so we started off that hey how can we bring customer support experiences to become better over chat because that kind of you know felt like the right medium to do all of this um when we started off you know it was it was interesting because at that point while you know again as i said ai ml was there but you know the data required to make your AI algorithms the time to market to build your algorithms and that time was really high right so what we did was we actually hired a bunch of people right we were like hey you know being having people like college students and these and all of this you know why can't we get people to start just replying back to humans over chat right let's just start there this would number one help us generate a lot of data right because the data that we would want to build our algorithms on and obviously kind of you know get us to market and really kind of get us off the ground right so we started off by you know literally a manual human layer to start with right but on day 0 we actually barely had any kind of what i call automation or you know machine learning right as we started moving on we started seeing a lot of interesting things right what we realized one was um while customer support and and you know we did this actually as a direct to consumer app right so we built our own app we went direct to consumer and we said hey if you have any problems with these brands let us know we'll help you out and things like that so it was a direct to consumer app at that point um and that's when we realized the you know for end consumers while support is obviously a big problem right 
it's not an everyday use case, right? It's not something that I have a problem with every single day. And when I have a problem, I usually think of the company I have a problem with and not an external third company or like a haptic or a mobile app that can help me out, right? So we started seeing that people enjoyed the experience, but they were not coming back often enough, right? So our retention and those kind of metrics that you look at were kind of just not that high, right? So we went, looked into the data and we started looking out at, hey, what, why is this happening? What does it mean? And that's when we realized, um, you know, a very interesting thing, which is while people, the, our most active users, what they used to come for was not really support, but they used to come for, let's say, everyday tasks, right? So they started coming with, hey, can you tell me what's a good recharge plan for me, right? Hey, can you tell me that, hey, when is my bill due? Or can you remind me when my bill is due? So we started seeing a lot of that, um, you know, day-to-day tasks that people wanted. So, you know, that was actually one big pivot moment, I would call it. And, you know, it's pivot in its sense is being used loosely where, you know, we, the technology and everything remained the same, but we moved our application from being a customer support application to being a personal assistant application, right? And the good thing was by then we had a lot of data. So we started kind of, you know, building our machine learning algorithms. We started putting a lot of these automations in place and things like that. And I think the name of Haptic or, you know, the way I look at it, you know, the first three, four years of Haptic was literally Haptic being a personal assistant over chat for the direct-to-consumer, right? We built a lot of our technology during that time. We built a lot of our branding at that point, And we really kind of started going at that point, right? Um, come 2017 and, you know, I'll try to kind of now just close out the whole thing, which is where we are today. Come 2017, what we realized, and this is where we were completing the whole circle, right? Was that at that point, chatbots and all IDAs became very big, uh, you know, due to the likes of obviously Facebook, Amazon, Google, Apple, all coming into this space. Right. And we started seeing a lot of adoption by the enterprise industry, right? So a lot of big businesses started coming to us saying that, hey, can you help me build a bot which I can put on my website or on my application, which can then help me automate a lot of my support, right? Because one, the experiences are not that great and number two, the costs are high, right? And I think that's when we realized that, hey, you know, there's a massive opportunity in that space. And, you know, we we started kind of dwelling into then what we call is the B2B space where we started working with large enterprises, uh, building IVAs, which, you know, they can deploy on their properties, uh, digital properties and help their, you know, consumers with better experiences, right? So, um, you know, we completed the whole circle from where we started to where we are today, but different models, different kind of things. But essentially, the technologies remain the same. We use a lot of AI and ML under the hood of, you know, we have a SaaS platform that helps build bots and do all of this. And obviously, you know, we, we kind of deliver it to our end clients, right? So, so that's kind of Haptic's journey in, in a nutshell, right? And I think that's kind of really what we did and how we came about. Um, I, I know you had two more questions around here, which is, you know, some interesting areas of work that I do as a CTO and what does a typical work day look like uh, for me, right? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get into that as well a little bit. So, I, you know, I, as a CTO, look after product and engineering of Haptic, right? So for the most part, everything product, everything technology related to Haptic, uh, you know, is what I look after, um, you know, as a CTO. And I kind of look at three big areas where I kind of, you know, try to divide how I try to divide my time up. And these are kind of interesting places where, you know, uh, I spend my time on. So one is the product lines that are already working are making us revenue, right? So there are a certain amount of products that we have which are making us revenue. You know, our clients are buying it. You know, we have hundred clients using these products. The idea there is, you know, how do we double down on that, make that bigger and obviously like any product development, it's an iteration, right? It's never that a product is built and it's done. So there's a lot of effort going into pro- proven out product lines. How do you kind of keep iterating, growing that bigger and building roadmaps and, you know, going forward there, right? So that's one big area of focus. Um, the other area of focus is basically new product lines, which have you know, which we have validated that we know that hey, there is a market for this. This is a good fit for the company, and this is 
what we want to pursue, but you know, there are new product lines, right? So we're, you know, involving ourselves into that, which is that, Hey, what are these new product lines we can get, you know, and it's not just product lines, it's going to be new products for new markets. So I spend a bunch of my time on just some of the new products that we are building out, which will help us get more revenue or capture more market. Right. And I think obviously, obviously improving quality at every single point. So, so new product lines is the second one. And then the third one really comes into R and D, right. Which is, completely new initiatives, which, you know, might not see the day of light. And even if they're proven out from a research angle, will probably, you know, only come into being in like six months, one year or so from now. But, you know, in the space we are in, I think that that's absolutely important, right? Because if while you're solving the problems for today and the short term, you know, how do you solve the problems for the longer, you know, one year, two year down the line and, you know, Innovation in the space is happening literally every single day, right? So we, we cannot fall behind there. So, so, you know, there's, there's a third thing there. So that's kind of product and engineering, how, you know, um, basically I look at and how I kind of spend my time. Um, yeah. And lastly, as a co-founder, I obviously spend a lot of time on culture, right? And I think as a company, uh, what we do, how we build out is obviously, you know, all, all is great, but you know, if the company's culture and the people who are part of the company are not enjoying it, if it's not the culture that all of us want to be working in, you know, it, it means it will not go too far. And I think none of us would be happy being a part of that. Right. So, so a lot of my time kind of goes into building the right culture, building the right team and just making sure that, you know, we're able to build the right foundation of our startup. And, and I think that's kind of where, uh, you know, other rest of my time goes. So, so overall, these are the broad categories. I think, Lots of interesting work around everywhere, you know, every day there's decisions versus build versus buy, you know, do you build everything in house? Do you buy partner with other people? Do you acquire companies? I think all of these come all as a part of the whole different structure that I just explained. Awesome. And thanks a lot for that incredible journey on Haptech. I think I personally loved the part where you said you wanted to build utility on top of uh, peer to peer conversations. And uh, of course, owing to the fact that, uh, and, and I did want to take a spin on that particular statement that you made since you also uh, lead R&D at Haptech. And this is something that a lot of people who build chatbots uh, go through while explaining chatbots to a lot of people is that uh, since you've been uh, an expert in conversational AI, uh, do you find a lot of people uh, having trouble trying to decipher between what is a task-based bot? Like you meant you were in the D2C business, people came for mobile recharges. Versus a social bot where, you know, like a robot where you're having great conversations with a bot. And uh, how, how often do you find people mistaking between the two? And which one of these do you think are going to have a larger role in the future of human computer interactions? Yeah, yeah, no. Great question, man. And I think, uh, you know, obviously have given this a lot of thought, right? Um, so, you know, how, how I think about this, you know, let's let's think about, you know, how us as humans and we like to interact, right? Basically, if you look at an interaction, right? And I'm, I'm talking about any interaction, but the most common interaction that most of us has done is that's a human to human interaction, right? Every interaction has two big parts that play in it, right? One is the situation the two or multiple people are in, right? So it's the situation of that interaction. Secondly, it is the personality of each of the people involved in that interaction, right? And I think it's, that's kind of just fundamental, right? I think if you look at it, that's literally the fundamentals of any single interaction when you look at it, right? So let's, let's go into a situation, right? Let's say if I walk into a store today, right? And I see a sales associate at a shop, right? Now, depending on my personality or depending on the other person's personality, the conversation might start with a hi, hello, how are you? Hey, you know, a few little, what we call chit chat or small talk. And then, you know, get right into it, right? That, hey, I need help buying this. Can you tell me this? Can you tell me what this is or whatever the intent is, right? Versus if I was, um, you know, in, in a social, social situation, right? If I was, let's say, at a party or if I'm sitting at home talking to someone, that's where you would probably have a lot more open-ended conversations which could go in any single direction, right? You start with a high hello, then you start with that, hey, I heard this in the news and then it could go to, uh, you know, common interests like video games and things like that. Right. So if you look at it, you know, it's, it's important to understand this, right? Because in, 
every single interaction, these are some of the core elements that comes in, right? And I think it's the same that we look like with bots, right? And I think that's where it's very important to realize, which is when anyone is interacting with the bot, it's important when you're building a bot to think about the personality of the bot, number one, right? Are you looking at this bot to be a, a, a you know, a chatty, funny, humorous bot? Is it a formal bot? What is the tonality of this bot and things like that? And number two is what is the situation you're putting this bot in, right? Now, if this bot is on my website and I'm an insurance company, you know, I need to set the expectation and I also need to be okay accepting the fact that, hey, yes, it is going to start with a chit chat, right? Every single person probably could start with basic chit chat of hi, hello, how are you and peripheral questions. But then, you know, I'm putting in a situation where the user would want to go and start basically chatting about the intent they have, right? And that's where your task-based bots come in, right? When you're, for enterprises really putting it, let's say for enterprises putting it for the purpose of saving costs or purpose of putting a better new customer experience, you know, you don't need to put a lot of social stuff into the bot because, and it's okay to say that, right? It's okay to say that, hey, I don't do all of these things because no, this is not my personality. This is not my purpose, but I am a task-based spot and that's kind of what I do. But you cannot just ignore simple things like hi, hello and everything. So in a task-based bot, you know, setting the expectation that I'm a task-based bot, I can do chit chat, but I'll help you with your query. And, you know, people come and interact with the same way, right? Versus a bot, let's say, which is in your home, right? A bot, which is, let's say, a Google or an Alexa and these kind of things, you know, people there would want to social chat a lot, right? So that's where you see that, hey, tell me a joke. A joke could be about a particular topic. Then you want to kind of be like, can you tell me more about that topic? And these conversations can go anywhere, right? So I think both have their part to play. I think both are very important, uh, you know, in, in how I look at the future of human-computer interaction. You know, that being said, the technology where we are today, right? And I think just talking about where we sit today from a technology perspective, I think tasks-based bots are today a lot more um, common because enterprises are putting it on their thing. So they're like, hey, I'm putting it on my properties and those kind of things. And technology is also being able to solve that a lot better than purely social conversations, right? Social conversations is still a very big area of research. You know, I don't know if you've seen the news lately, but Google had come with Mina. Um, Facebook yeah. has come with Blender. And they do a fantastic work job at having these social conversations, right? But putting this into reality and putting it out there is one big challenge. Number two, where do you put it, right? Should this be on your TV? Should this be on your phone? Should this be on a website? enterprises website or should this be a hardware that probably is going to be kept in there or should it be in your car right so i think social bots harder problem to solve from a technology perspective it is being solved i'm not saying you know it's not being solved but making it a reality is a harder problem as well task based is become a lot more reality today and is actually proving very effective right i mean if you set the right situation you set the right product and design and all the personality as i spoke about it's starting to be a lot more effective, right? So if you ask me the future, both are going to be very important in different situations. You're going to have different kinds of bots. You know, people will want to interact with it in a particular way. And I think technology will get there. I have no doubt in that. But today where we're sitting, I think that's the reality of the situation. Yep. And very interesting that you mentioned, uh, and I love the fact that you mentioned setting the expectation because I've personally realized that most times where people make fun of bots not being able to understand things is only because I think there's a big expectation mismatch there. And I think that's a very valid Absolutely. point to make. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Google's Mina, right? And then a lot of other chatbots coming into play with different personalities, sometimes diff very different use cases. And uh, just wanted to understand as we see a lot of these chatbots across the place coming up, uh, in so many applications that right, they might as well be task-based, they might be social, or they might be a mixture of both sometimes. Uh, where do you see the differentiating element of sorts between bot A and bot B or like a Siri or an Alexa or, your, you know, is, is there a way to distinguish? Is it their voice only like, you know, Siri sounds better and Alexa doesn't? Or is it like a conversation turns per session, which is a metric that recently came up to see 
how long you can hold a conversation with a bot or is this even a way that we should look at bots comparing them like this yeah 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 no you know i think uh, it's it's one of the bigger mysterious question of the industry is how do you measure these bots right what are even yeah. the metrics yeah. you go after and what does that that do right and i think you know it's it's hard to put a one size fits all metric or mechanism right um into into all of this so you know just going back to literally what i was saying right and as as we've been talking about so as i mentioned right the purpose of each bot and and the situation it's in is going to be very different right and measuring effectiveness then also needs to be different right which is how do you know bot is effective and you know or different right for that matter and you know i think the way i look at let's say just the two things you mentioned right because that's a great point which is let's say voice right i honestly look at voice as a feature right and not a differentiation factor right i think it's first important to realize that is voice even valid for certain use cases right now if i am putting a bot on my website right an insurance company puts a bot on their website and you see major of your users coming from a laptop i think it's very uncommon that people would talk to their laptop when they can easily type right so their voice is probably not required right you can put it in there right but it's probably not required because no one's probably going to use it right versus if you put a bot or an iba in your car right where your hands are busy i think voice becomes absolutely important to have so you know it's it's a feature that you need to see whether you need in your iva virtual assistant or not rather than hey is this something i should do because it'll make me differentiate myself right same thing on the cost uh, conversation turns per session right in fact when you're in a social bot and chit chat bot or uh, you know the the cps which is conversations per turns per second you probably want to have more of that because its engagement is what that bot is saying and you know if you can't keep conversations going it means you know you just don't sound smart enough right but versus in a customer support bot if you're taking too many turns to reply it means something is not right right so so it literally you know these metrics as i said cannot be one size fits all it's hard to kind of differentiate having one or the other just as differentiators because it's more effectiveness right hey are these things which will help me do what i want to or get to where i want to or provide a good experience to the user right um and i think that's why it's 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 hard to kind of really come up with a bunch of these things you know that's where over the last uh, you know 6 to 9 months right we've been actually scratching our heads on this problem and you know we've come up with something that works for us um, haptic it's come up with uh, something that you know works for a lot of people in the industry but it might not work for everything right so let me kind of tell you how we went about doing this and the thought we had around this right so we actually came up with a metric that we try to call isat right which is intelligent satisfaction score which uh, you know as you can tell uh, you know by the name of it basically is uh, you know kind of uh, inspired by csat right which is a customer satisfaction yeah. score you know so we we basically kind of uh, take a lot of different submetrics right so we we start taking metrics on the sense of that hey you know um, there's feedback that you get from the user right there is a sentiment analysis you can do on every single turn that is happening you know there are simple more rudimentary metrics you can do which is did the user have to repeat the same thing they're saying couple of times right which basically will tell you that hey this is something the user is having to repeat themselves there is obviously a lot more engineering metrics such as f1 scores and things like that right we've actually taken a mix of all of this right and also a mix of what the purpose of the bot is right so let's say if we have we built an iva for our client and they're like hey i want to reduce the number of uh, calls that come to my um, call center because that will give me an roi of this much we'll take that also into factor and then we basically apply a formula on this to really come up with a uh, you know come up with a metric right we actually bucket each of these conversations into good bad or neutral and we do a bunch of things on that we actually have written a bunch of blog posts you know done a couple of webinars on this but that's the score we have come up with right it actually does not take into exactly what you said right number of turns back and forth right because our key is that hey we need to solve this sooner rather than later 
and if the user is repeating themselves and it's a wrong thing but you know so so we've taken bunch of different things in this so in the enterprise task based purpose oriented ivas this works well right and i think it's been proving out really well to us you know multiple different you know come people in the industry have told us that hey this is very interesting so you know that's the way we've come up with it i think different people will need different ways to figure this out i think over a period of time we will get to it but you know that's kind of where we are right and i think the the hard thing is you know doing this at scale right i think one last point i want to make here is doing this at scale is a very important thing right because doing it at a smaller amount i can crowdsource this and get people to what we call tag or label conversations as good bad or not right which is then you're saying hey this is a good bot this is not a good bot but how do you do this at scale right i mean when you have millions of conversations a day in your automating it is essentially means you're building an algorithm to judge another algorithm and that really becomes a catch 22 right so you have to be really kind of you know creative and innovative here that how do you kind of build if build metrics how do you kind of calculate effectiveness and how do you see what differentiates different bots and does it meet the actual purpose is is the is the very interesting problem that i think still exists today but different people are solving it in different ways i think i absolutely love uh, the idea of the isat personally because uh, as as you said context is almost primordial of sorts to get right before you move into any measurement i think that's a very uh, of course a lot of us will look forward to hearing about the isat a lot more uh, and of course i think uh, this uh, I, i love the two points that you mentioned and and clubbing them together wanted to lead to the next thing that i wanted to run by you was that you mentioned that a lot of technological advancements in some shape or form are uh, you know going well going better for task based rather than social bots and when you couple that with an expectation mismatch right when a lot of people are not able to set expectations right with a bot uh, what happens is people make fun of bots ridicule bots and then eventually start losing trust in bots due to their inability to say decipher what i'm trying to get out of a particular bot so wanted to understand from you how the current task based chatbot industry has has it peaked or has it reached at least a technical peak of sorts where almost every task based chatbot player is using the same three or four maybe maybe different metrics very true but maybe the same ways of solving a particular problem in terms of uh, its novelty and do you think there's radical innovation required from even haptic right because the way that you guys are leading the isat i think do you do you feel that the space has peaked and we need something else for getting people to trust these bots again or is it just a expectation mismatch play yeah yeah no absolutely and i think you know it's 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 you know being in the industry for almost uh, 7 years now right and i think being one of the first players in this space you know we we've, we've seen this roller coaster of emotions and uh, expectations with the users right um but but you know to start off with i absolutely think there is a lot of scope and need for innovation right um i think there's a lot more that still needs to be done we are nowhere close to you know what we want to do right and i think the reason for that and also what that thing is is actually this expectation mismatch right so you know let me going to quickly talk about just this this roller coaster of a journey that's happened right and i think where we are because it's a technology thing but also kind of as you said the expectation thing right what ended up happening right which is when you look at 2016 2017 when bots became very popular i think every single company at that point was literally setting this expectation with the users that hey come chat with a bot and it will solve anything or it will just you know solve all your problems right and i think everyone set the expectation that hey it's going to be just like a human interaction right just like how you talk to someone else you can come talk to bots like that right that is literally where i think bloom started because that's when all everyone's expectations was off the roof right it's like you know it's like going to a movie which you know everyone tells you is the best movie ever but then your imagination has run so wild that when you go into the movie and you see one predictable scene you're like oh this is how can this be that good like i'm not a fan of this right but the movie is actually really good so i think that's what's happened um you know people 
really started thinking that hey this is going to be like solving all my problems it's going to be like interacting with any humans i can get rid of all the humans that i have and just replace them with bots but that's not the reality right and i think you know where we are today is exactly what we were talking previously now everyone's setting the expectations more right people are you know making sure that you know there's this this right you know funnels that users are coming in through and things like that right but that being said the expectations are not wrong right to have and i think that's what we should all try to strive for so so you know while technology will get there i think there is a lot of requirement for innovation still right and i think there you know while we think about just purely innovation from the end user perspective i think there's a lot of innovation happening behind the scenes as well right which is i think a um, couple of things that you know i get very excited about is let's say on day 0 your maybe your iva is not that good right the minute it goes live but you know if you look at this space today people have spent you know four to six weeks to two months just building that iv and then going live with it sometimes way way longer right and then still you said that you're like hey this is not good now you can do innovations where you can probably get an iv live within a couple of days which still holds as good as what would have happened with six to seven weeks of effort right so lots of innovation there lots of innovation that hey once my iv goes live automatically start learning right like every time things are not going right so exactly the metrics we were talking about if this metric is not right what could have you done to make it right can you relearn yourself so you know things like reinforcement learning all of these are really kind of places where you can use to really innovate and become better faster right that means you can say from day 0 to day 7 i have improved 80 folds right and i think that in itself could be a huge part of innovation obviously apart from that just making sure the bots can themselves be smarter with understanding right out of the box right can i start innovating per domain can i start innovating each and every single you know language that is being said the nuances of every language so you know i think we have a long way to go right and i think it's it's really exciting because of that exact nature of it um i think you know people are now understanding what ivs can do what they cannot do right but i think the idea is this we need to still do a lot of work right and i think that expectation that people had 2 3 years ago from all of us that's what we want to achieve right so it's like that's our goal we want to get there i think we'll get there at that point and you know without a lot of innovation it's it's going to be very hard so so yeah so that's i think where we sit today and you know how i think the future is going to come about i think you have a great point on uh... catching up to expectation rather than bringing that down because i think uh, that's something uh, a lot of people need to be talking about a lot more as well because it pushes a lot of frontiers across the board for people to start innovating as well and uh, i think leading on to and, and i love the vivid and situational examples that you uh, give across the board and i just wanted to go back to one that you gave in your tedx talk a uh, couple of years ago uh, which was about a particular goa trip uh, that you have with uh, your friends and your car is driving itself it's going to a place where you want to go and say a bot is making reservations and putting you on a bus guest list and as you also say that one of the most common interactions humans have had is human to human interaction so if we actually fast forward hypothetically say 20 years and this is actually happening uh, what do you imagine doesn't exist anymore in that era that that currently does like human to human intimacy or something of that sort <laughs> yeah um no absolutely and you know i think uh, you know uh, i i think you know we we'll probably get this sooner rather than later right not even 20 years because you know most right. of the things we're talking about we can all probably already imagine happening which is which is fantastic right um no but you know absolutely a great question right i mean with with all of this coming in you know what are we losing out right and i think that's something we need to also keep a close eye out on right and i think it's not something you know especially companies like us if we are bullish about the future like this we can't just be like hey we get into a future where you know things will be everything the same just better right i think there are effects of multiple different things and um you know so so talking about some of this i think human to human intimacy um honestly i'm i i think i'm i'm 
that's a much bigger question for in the days we live in today because of the you know the, the covid 19 situation and you know it's it's a problem i think we all are already thinking about you know obviously what is the human to human interaction in a world that we are in today right and i think that's something uh, you know it's it's a different conversation i won't get into that but you know if we're talking purely in terms of bots right i i'm not worried about human to human intimacy because see as humans you know we are social beings right and i think if you go back in time no matter where you see right we've always been people of tribes and communities and things like that and you know we thrive on human to human interactions right so i i i'm not thinking that hey you know people will stop interacting with each other and only interact with machines right i i don't think that's the case uh, but you know what's going to happen is in every single interaction that we are having with other people right i think there will be a machine around you in some way shape or form listening in probably for that matter being a part of that conversation or interaction right um and you know it it it's already a big topic of conversation but we definitely cannot ignore the privacy and security aspects of it right and i think that's something we all need to kind of you know there's there's a lot of work going on there you know obviously governments have also started taking it on but i think that's absolutely valid right and i think that is something that is going to be required you know if we all want to be comfortable in a scenario where we are living in with a machine around us and kind of doing that but you know so so i look at it that way but you know what worries me and what i think about a lot of is is what happens when we get to a place like this is you know two big things that i think about are creativity and serendipity right and i think that's where i you know think about a bunch of things you know what happens to creativity in a world which is you know algorithmic in nature right that's kind of what i'm trying to think right i mean there are schools of thoughts that algorithms can also be creative right because you're seeing you know algorithms build paintings algorithms come up with songs and music and things like that and you know it's it's like hey they can be there but you know the main question is you know when you're building stuff of creative in nature it's not just about building it right it's obviously you kind of do it but does it actually resonate with the people right which is you know does it resonate with a certain sector or a certain amount of people i don't know what's going to happen there right and i think you know there i think that's what i keep thinking about is what does it mean for a creativity in a world we live in today right and following that is also serendipity right a lot of the world's success that we are in today right has happened because of serendipitous nature of a lot of these interactions right which is you know you're talking to someone and you kind of something happens around you and that's happened like sometimes you know it it happens because things don't happen as per plan right and i think lots and lots of you know there's books written on this there's studies on this which is how serendipity plays a big part in success and how we are here because of serendipity right and in an world where things are so much more organized things are so much more as per plan and all of those things will we end up losing some of that right and i think if we lose some of that what does it mean for the future after that right and i think that's some of the things i think about more than anything else um, you know and i think both of them go hand in hand um, i'm not saying these will be problems i think these are things we should think about where people are not thinking about it and you know how we solve them what does that mean i think things we'll have to figure out as time goes i think uh, you make a very uh, interesting point particularly on bringing up privacy and also the fact that uh, human computer interaction right now and even human intimacy is just fading as we go so uh, i think that's a valid uh, thing to think about uh, for all of us as human beings before we imagine machines taking over in these aspects as well and uh, since since uh, we just discussed a lot of task based and narrow ai of sorts across the board uh, we're also scaling quite uh, you know like incessantly across the board and and sometimes very mindlessly that you know if this is a thing that moves you just put a bot on it uh, and i've seen that personally across a lot of these domains uh, and coming back to of course just touching up a little about where humans may be more important in certain processes do you believe there are some domains where the task based ai application should be carefully rolled out if it needs to be because uh, some are, are do you think some domains are better suited of sorts with human interactions at its core or are there always processes of sorts in every industry that can be handed off to these bots yeah yeah no good uh, you know 
valid definitely a valid valid question right and i think that's uh, something we are actually seeing on the ground uh, today as well right so couple of things here right um you know i'm a, a firm believer in this as well which is you know a lot of the task based bo- uh, bots that we're talking about right i don't think we're going to be a fully fully bot interaction you know world right i think it will always be a a combination of humans and machines working together to complete these tasks right and i think the idea is you know the the bots are able to handle a certain amount of uh, you know tasks which probably could hopefully be the majority of them but there will situations where you need humans to kind of take over and kind of reply back right so even at haptic actually we are actually proponents of this right we don't say that oh no don't use humans just go and automate everything we actually think for the right end user experience which is the most important thing you probably need a combination of both of them right i don't think just doing one is the right thing right and i think that's literally what we are very very big proponents of right um that being said you know going a little deeper into you know before i get into the answer of you know certain industries what that means i think it's important one thing that i like to always think about is you know when you're looking at machine learning ai and everything right which is the important thing is it's all probability based right which what this means is every single question that is given to a machine right the machine throws back an answer but also gives a probability or a confidence score as we call it that hey i'm this confident about it right um the the reason this is important to understand is because at this point you know you're never you know it's very hard to be 100% on anything right so there's always a chance of a false positive or a false negative as we call it right which is the bot could have given an answer saying that hey this is the answer but it's actually not the right answer or it could have said no this is not the right answer or said negative but it was actually positive right and i think that's where it's it's important to understand that because in just like in everything in life every single industry right it's about balancing the risk versus reward right now in certain spaces right you should not you know you should keep that hey the bot should not answer until your confidence is very high because the risks are very high right um things like healthcare right things like legal right these are places where you don't want to be very free with just giving answers so unless the machine is super confident right and you do not give these answers out because a wrong answer will cause more harm than not right versus in certain industries and you know probably e-commerce and things like that it's okay to be a little bit more uh, open to it because you know the the less the more wide you are able to answer right the more you are able to kind of uh, automate right so i'm saying the lower the probability or the threshold you keep the more you are able to answer for that matter so you know you got to you got to take those chances or uh, not chances but you got to do that calculation of risk versus reward right say that okay i'm going to keep my confidence levels up to this mark unless the machine is super confident i'm not going to answer or i'm going to let it be a little easy on that and always back this in certain scenarios with humans right which is now the user asks something you were not able to answer it because my or you know your confidence was not high give it to a human or provide them an, another mechanism to be more confident about the answer rather than just trying to give an answer right so i think this balance is important i think there are certain industries uh which see this a lot more so as i said you know healthcare is seeing it's important to do this i think legal is important to do this and you know these are industries which actually 2 3 years ago would not even want to do anything of like these sorts because of these risks right but we're seeing these industries open up to these kind of bots and all of these things as long as we're being very careful on how we're balancing the risk and reward so so i think that's an overall idea of how you know i think we need that we are approaching today right you have humans machines you have your balance between risk and reward and kind of really take all of these into matter and then see what's the right solution out there for every company i think uh, i personally love the point that you make on the risk reward ratio because uh, i think that's that also paves a lot of way for public policy of sorts to decide what kind of a ratio is probably good enough for what kind of an industry and i think it of course opens up scope for a larger discourse of sorts again and uh, i think switching gears i just want to run through the couple questions real quick um switching gears from purely chatbots of sorts to uh, say intelligent automation for the future and 
since you would have to also said that initially you had a particular way of doing things to generate data while you can to build on the base of ai eventually so with all of these newer initiatives being created by as you as you saw uh, google's mina right there's there's so much data being pumped in so many billions and billions of data point uh, does that mean to be conversational and trustworthy in the future all of the data that remains with the larger incumbents of sorts is what's going to make those organizations the one that have the strength to do this or is there scope for say entrepreneurs or startups to be able to move into that space without the mercy of these guys actually open sourcing some data yeah yeah um yeah no i think that, uh, in, interesting question right and i think see what's what's happening today right and i think it's 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 i think we're seeing this happen today which is now data is getting more democratized right i think while we all know data is the most important thing for building these automation it is starting to get democratized where now it's obviously the larger incumbents have most of the data but it's starting to be that you know you're finding great open source data sets um, you know obviously the internet being one of the biggest sources of data is starting to get a lot of that and what these larger organizations are also realizing right it's that they're not going to be doing able to do all the innovation themselves and if they have to promote a industry to excel right they need to be able to give some of this data out in the right manner so that other people can uh, kind of also innovate right great examples of this are let's say kaggle right i mean you see big companies hosting competitions there and they give their data out right obviously we're seeing a lot of open source things um, you know you, you you go on the archive and different research papers a lot of people are open sourcing their algorithms along with their data so you know it, i think data is going to be a very very big thing on of conversation and how we do it how we structure it is going to be very important i'm not i don't think the big companies are going to play that big game of let's say just keeping the data and kind of you know all the smaller organizations be at the mercy of that because you know even the consumers what the creators of this data right the way i like to think about it are starting to get very of these situations right so even a lot of them are like hey you know scared of giving their data there they rather give their data to someone you know smaller you know they obviously are very very cognizant of all the privacy laws and privacy uh, you know legalities all of this security legalities so i think um, i'm not too worried about big companies just winning the game because of data because they also realize that this is something that's going to help everyone also consumers who are creating the data are starting to get a lot more wary of these bigger companies and are you know happy giving data where it's right right and it's not just about giving the data it's about giving it for the right use cases for the right purposes so uh, you know if if a smaller organization is able to find innovative ways to get data from the users or find innovative ways to use the data publicly available out there you know there is a lot of way people can uh, you know kind of uh, innovate and build innovations i think the other thing which is going to happen along with so much data is the you know is going to be the processing power required for all of this right and you know uh, it it takes a lot of money to process all that data right and i think that's also going to be something which how do small organizations cope up with that and how do people providing computing power enable a lot of the smaller organizations is also going to be very important here right so i think uh, you know i i don't fear any of this i think this is things that are absolutely going to happen they're already happening um it's it's just a matter of time how and who does it and how how we kind of set up the whole thing most definitely love the uh, happy to give data where it's right because i think it gives the power back to the consumer of sorts and it's it's a very uh, strong message that needs to be put out as well uh, and of course uh, i think finally wanted to hear from you on since since you've been a leader of conversational ai in this space and uh, of course not a lot of us are the best uh, futurists of sorts but even though a lot of us may not know what becomes of chatbots 10 years from now we of course have uh, in our minds an image of what we would like it to be so uh, just switching gears to think about what you, you would wish it to be like is it an intelligent machine is it human aided intelligence or is it something very new <laughs> yeah yeah um you know i think overall 
I, 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 you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, let's say, the future of the whole thing. I think it's going to be, I, I would want intelligent machines, but, you know, with, with human in the loop, right? And I think that's kind of the way I look at that or something in the line, which is, you know, you, you, you want very smart machines to take care of all your mundane stuff, right? Which is things that I, why should I use my cognitive power for this? Why should these things happen? I want machines to just take care of all of that, right? I just want things that I, I want to build things which is that, hey, someone who's like, hey, these are repetitive tasks. These are things that takes my cognitive things where I don't want to spend my cognitive energy. Machines should be able to do all of that, right? And that's kind of the way I look at uh, intelligent machines really becoming the part of the future. That being said, I am not bullish on only machines, right? I think humans are going to play a very important role. I think what's going to happen is uh, humans and machines are going to work together uh, on a lot of these places. You know, we humans will have to adapt. We'll have to upskill ourselves in very different forms, uh, you know, in, in, in what the future looks like. Um, you know, they could be, you know, things that we do today, which we might not have to do in the future, but there'll be 10 new things that we will have to do, but that's better for all of us, right? I think it's it's a place we will be where we are, as humans, obviously progressing and machines are taking care of all the, you know, other mundane, you know, cognitive load, unnecessary cognitive loads and things like that. So, so I look at it, a, you know, in a world where we're living together, you know, each one has its right role. Each one enjoys doing what they're doing or are, you know, and, and kind of moving from there. Right. And I think that's the way I look at the future coming, coming about. Love the fact that you mentioned particularly the, say the rise of the knowledge workers, right? If all of the mundane tasks are then handled, we start to become knowledge workers and then becoming knowledge workers and glued to our brains and our screens will then eventually lead to, say us being asocial and then social chatbots again. So I think I love the loop <laughs> that it'll probably take yeah. in. And uh, thanks a lot for the conversation, Sapna. And absolutely enjoyed and learned quite a bit from it. And very, very thankful for you for taking out the time for this conversation as well. No, thank you. Thanks, Shantanu, for having me. It was a, it was, it was a great conversation. Uh, you know, I absolutely enjoyed being here. And, and you know, I hope uh, other people enjoy this conversation too. I hope this was helpful and enjoyable for everyone who tuned in. And please keep watching this space for more. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Starting and Scaling AI Ventures. Goodbye.